Welcome to the 111th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore of the Land Stewardship Project. With his three-piece suit and low-key personality, Dean Harrington looks and sounds the part of the small-town banker which he is. I first ran into Harrington over a decade ago while he was given a presentation at a Land Stewardship Project Farm Beginnings course. He's the president of the First National Bank in Plainview, a town of some 3,400 people that sits smack dab in the middle of southeast Minnesota's farming region. Not surprisingly, around half of Harrington's loan portfolio is made up of farm and other agricultural enterprises. In general, farmers seeking credit to finance alternative ag operations have found that traditional lenders, such as banks, do not exactly welcome them with open arms. These lenders often express concerns that organic, pasture-based, and other sustainable farming systems are too risky to finance. That's ironic when one considers that in recent years, large-scale conventional operations have proven to be the biggest economic gambles for rural communities. When one highly leveraged, large-scale dairy or hog operation goes bankrupt, it can take a whole lot of suppliers, retailers, and creditors with it. But in recent years, I've been running into more bankers and other lenders who are realizing that a smarter financial bet for a community might just be numerous small and medium-sized farms utilizing diversified production and marketing strategies. Harrington is one of those bankers who sees the growth of these diverse farming enterprises as a plus for local economies, particularly as communities grapple with figuring out how to bring in a new generation of farmers. Harrington recently participated in a land stewardship project meeting on how to help beginning farmers get access to land in rural communities such as Plainview. Afterwards, I talked to Dean about the role small and medium-sized farms can play in stabilizing local economies, what bankers like him look for in a loan application, the importance of capturing more of the dollars flowing out of our communities, and shifting attitudes on the part of bankers when it comes to sustainable agriculture. Dean, you had mentioned earlier in, during the discussion a couple of interesting points, and one of them was when you had first gotten started in banking, there was a feeling that as far, you know, bankers are always risk adverse for good reason, and so one of the kind of guiding principles was the bigger you are, the harder you fall. But then that kind of changed over time. And can you talk a little bit about how that that kind of philosophy did change and, and maybe where that brings us today as far as trying to find a middle ground a little bit? Well, I'm not sure that I that I know why it did change. Um, I, I think there are a lot of forces that have um, that have been at work to increase farm size and um, and I don't pretend to understand those forces. I, I know that the impact is not always good. Uh, we need to look, I think, uh, more to the middle-sized farms and and small well all size farms but uh, we we need to realize that uh, uh, the middle size family farms are are viable they're here to stay we need to value the uh, the contributions and the the economic value that they have obviously in a lot of towns that are very dependent on agriculture you are seeing fewer fewer farms bigger farms that type of thing is that an impact you're seeing in this area yeah I think that trend is is almost uh, universal or, or uh, nationwide maybe but but it, it's it's obvious here that that uh, farm size sizes get bigger uh, there are, are fewer uh, full-time farmers again that's my impression uh, probably borne out by statistics but um, that that seems to be the trend I guess what role do you see maybe 
as a banker in, in a small town like this uh, serving or other lenders who are in other similar situations? What role do you think that they could play in maybe uh, helping, I don't know, reverse this trend, but at least bring a little more diversity back into some of these communities? Well, I, I think uh, that we need to realize the economic viability of middle-sized farms and, and uh, small specialized farms. We need to regard them as players in the future, that we don't have to uh, all be the same size. And I think there's somewhat of an appreciation for that. We, we maybe have trouble trying to value the characteristics of mid-sized farms and smaller farms in a financial sense. And that's that's what I'd like to see us work on is valuing those those elements that, that really are stabilizer type elements. And one of them uh, is certainly um, diversity. We, we see that or, or should be able to value that as a risk mitigant, we'd call it in the banking business, but uh, something that does uh, reduce risk. The other one that, that we're trying to get a, a handle on is, is uh, uh, personal and family thrift. Uh, how does that impact the financial viability of a, of a farming uh, operation, the value of household, the household economy, things such as uh, gardening and so forth? How, how do they contribute to the uh, economic viability of a farming family? Those are, those are the things that are, are, are very interesting and they're easy to theorize about, but uh, we need to be able to quantify them and move them into the decision-making process. And, and that's, that's the challenge. And I don't pretend to have solved that challenge, but I think we need to get on with it and work at it. You know, this reminds me of something, you may not remember this, but years ago you had given a presentation to a farm beginnings class and you had used the phrase, eating your own cooking. About, and I was really interested in that because at the time I was reading some literature about local dollars, keeping local dollars circulating rather than exporting wealth out of the community. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? I found that really fascinating. I, I can't claim that to be an original uh, phrase, eating your own cooking, but in fact, I think a, uh, an economist from the University of Michigan first used that, and I, I was attracted to it. But I, I think what we're... Um, what we need to do is, is figure out how to capture more of the dollars that uh, normally would flow out of a community, whether it's an investment or input purchases, particularly those two things, and find practical ways to, to keep those dollars at home. And, and it isn't that we can produce everything that we, that we need that's not realistic, but I think there are more things that we can produce and finance locally if we're alert to them and and are willing to work at it. And I think uh, one of the things you'd also talked about was this whole idea of in a community like this, people need to come to terms of, I guess, identifying or embracing what kind of community it is. And, you know, in the case of Plainview, that it is an agrarian community or a farming community. And if you don't, then it could be maybe defined by somebody else uh, as a bedroom community or, or that type of thing. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think that Plainview and, and and other communities like the Plainview area, and Plainview isn't unique in this, but, but that we do have a pretty strong, uh, I, I like the word agrarian, and, and I know it's hard to define, but agricultural, farming, past, and, and uh, heritage and culture. And there there's still some pretty hefty heavy indicators of that left or, or elements of it left in our community. And I think we need to recognize those to realize that they have value and and, and to acknowledge that, that heritage. If we don't, we'll lose it, I'm afraid. And, and I think that would be a, a, a tragedy. Well, and, and one of the ways uh, to keep that, I, I guess, keep that as an important element of the community is, like you had said earlier, 
keep the threshold low enough for beginning farmers or for entrepreneurs that want to get launch new enterprises and new farms and new businesses in the area. That, that's right, and, and I, the threshold of opportunity might be one way to think about it, and I see that in, in farming certainly, but other enterprises too, business and, and, and banking is, is uh, subject to the same kind of dynamics. And, and, and if we work hard at reducing the threshold of, of opportunity uh, rather than in increasing it, I, I often think that if we, if we, and collectively, I guess I'm talking about a broad we, all worked uh, as hard on and, and spent the, half the resources of making things work on a smaller scale as we do on making them work on a large scale, that we'd have very different looking communities. And if we can get to that point where we recognize that and work in that direction. I, and that's not to say that everything can work on a small scale. We have to be practical about about that too. But um, I think more things can work on a smaller scale than, than we sometimes think. A lot of our the Land Stewardship Project's members are farmers who are looking at alternative systems, alternative methods of production as well as marketing, that type of thing, and had been frustrated in the past when approaching lenders because lenders didn't have a lot of knowledge or background on those systems and so were adverse to, to loaning money to something they aren't aware of. Do you think that that situation has gotten a little bit better uh, from your point of view as far as lenders are learning more about some of these sustainable methods and maybe are a little more comfortable with uh, lending money uh, for the, for these enterprises? I, I think it has improved. I don't know that it's improved enough. I certainly hear from people more, it seems, who uh, are farming in an alternative or, or sustainable way, and they will tell me that they have an excellent relationship with a lender in, in a bank. And so I, I think it's improved. We, we bankers are not <laughs> always uh, on the cutting edge of change, and, and I'm, I'm the first to admit it, and, and we like the comfort of predictability and, and so forth, and, and sometimes that uh, results in not having an open mind to new, new ways of doing agriculture and old ways of doing agriculture, and that we are too dismissive of those so I, I think we have to own up to that, but I, I think it is improving. Speaking of owning up to it, I, what would you recommend for a farmer who's coming in and has a an alternative uh, uh, enterprise in mind that that the banker may not be familiar with, maybe a little bit off the wall? What, what would you recommend that some of the ways that maybe they kind of open that door? Well, I think that uh, one of the things that that I think does tend to help open the door is treating it and thinking of it as a business. And, you know, the old saying is farming a business or is it a way of life? And and the answer is, well, it's both, you know, and I think if that beginning farmer doesn't think of it as both, then then banks lose interest pretty fast. So I, I think the programs such as land stewardships projects, um, Farm Beginnings has always emphasized uh, business planning. That's been really helpful, I think, in, in uh, opening doors through uh, the banking industry. Uh, so I guess that's maybe the, the first thing is think of it as a business and, and one that needs, needs to cash flow and that might be the first piece of advice and the best and the best piece of advice maybe there's a lot of bad news in farming right now and in rural communities are you seeing some some things that maybe make you feel positive about 
what the future holds or, or how you kind of what's your mindset right now as somebody who's been in the rural community and in the banking business for several decades now? Well, I, I think there is a little more uh, and maybe a lot more energy around kind of small entrepreneurial ways of doing things. And I don't know what, what the future of the Farm Bill, for example, will be, but it just seems like there's there's more uh, interest in in a diversity of, of farming. And, and that's not to say that conventional farming will or should go away. That's that's not a, the point at all. But I, I think there's there's somewhat of a movement of into the mainstream of uh, alternative agriculture ways to do farming and agriculture. So I think that's a positive. And, and there was a good crowd of people here this afternoon at this meeting that uh, obviously had a lot of energy ideas over multi, multiple generations. So I think that's that's a positive too. For more information on LSP's work related to rural economic development, see www.landstewardshipproject.org and click on the Community-Based Food link or the Farm Beginnings link. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.